give a big welcome to his holy name officer in Maharaj doesn't need really any introductions, but it is our pleasure and honor at Iskan of Silicon Valley to welcome His Holiness Bhaktisattva Maharaj. And he's coming for the second time, but technically first time to the temple. He came in 1998 during the, the productions of the Avai Charan uh, video. Most of you might have watched those beautiful presentations, the life of the Prasila Prabhupada. So Maharaj was born in 1945, just before he, two years ago of Indian independence in Bengal. And in 1970, he left India to study chemistry in Germany. And coming across uh, different Vedic literatures while in Germany, he discovered our Indian spiritual, spiritual heritage. And 75, he returned to wholeheartedly India to pursue his spiritual life and search for a spiritual master. After searching for one year, he came across the book, which book? Nectar of Devotion. <laughs> so Maharaj got the book Nectar of Devotion and through his, he became a devotee. And in 1976, Maharaj joined the ISKCON in Mayapur and became more involved in devotional service to the Lord. And when Srila Prabhupada returned to India at the end of 76, the first meeting between him took place and he took initiation. So Sula Prabhupada gave Maharaj first and second initiation at the same time and also three months later Sula Prabhupada gave him the sannyas initiation, the renounced order of life. So Maharaj has, in 1987 Maharaj became an initiating guru in ISKCON and also joined the GBC, the Governing Body Commission. He is also currently having responsibility being chairman of the ISKCON GVC, which is a self a, the chairman of ISKCON, the big task for Maharaj, and also his journal secretary for many groups like Mayapur, Pujain, Bhubaneswar, Bangladesh, Seattle, and many more. So he travels constantly across US, UK, South Africa, Middle East, and also Australia, holding spiritual retreats and seminars about Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and about Lord Krishna. In 96, Maharaj took on the mammoth task of making a biographical video that is the known US, Avaicharan, that, that brings Maharaj here in 1998 to San Francisco area. In 2004, at the invitation of Chief Minister Madhya Pradesh, he built the Ujjain temple. Maharaj also served as ISKCON governor for France and South Africa and Iran. Also, in 2013, Maharaj began development of new ISKCON temple in Panihati. Also, Maharaj joined the Ortho Forum and began delivering keynote speeches globally on uh, for the, being the audience for the business leaders. Maharaj is the chairman of the Anamrita Foundation, one of the ISKCON one, which is feeds 1.2 million children across every day. He is also serving on the advisory panel of I Foundation, a leading Hindu um, forum in the United Kingdom. And recently, in November 2016. 
Bhattacharya Swami was awarded by the member of United Nations in New York recognition of his lifetime achievement as a spiritual guru, translator, singer of devotional music, filmmaker, and many more. So please give a hearty welcome to his Many more devotees would join also, so before that, give a chance. And also, I'd like to hand over the today's speak to Maharaj. Thank you very much. Vanchatalpa Tarukhashya 
Practically for two years we have been coming and going. We are filming here of Acharan and you know a major part of Srila Prabhupada's uh, involvement in America was in, in Haight-Ashbury, Golden Gate Park. So shooting those areas and all. And, and I'm so happy to see that the that so many of you have become involved. Those days our activities here was not really that vibrant. We were just few devotees here and but it was a very nice, very nice atmosphere. And is anyone here from those days? Oh, okay, you are the only one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, oh, you're also there. Okay, thank you. I see, yeah. Anyway, it's so nice to see that ISKCON family is growing. Srila uh, Prabhupada came to fulfill Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prediction. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prediction was in every town and village all over the world. Prithivite Achi Jatu Nagura di Gram Sharbutra Prachar In every town and village all over the world, the holy name of the Lord will spread. Krishna consciousness movement will be established. This is actually a very special time. Kali Yuga is considered to be the most degraded of all ages. There are four Yugas. Satya Yuga is the purest phase of time. Then the next Yuga is Treta Yuga. People become more sinful. People start to become sinful. In Satya Yuga, practically there was no sinful activities. But gradually in Treta Yuga, people start to become sinful. 
and then in Dwapar Yuga they become even more sinful. And Kali Yuga, they become absolutely sinful. <laughs> so much so that it has been described that the Kali, Kali Yuga is an ocean of sinful activities. If you consider that sin is a substance, sin is actually a substance, just as water is a substance. We are familiar with the ocean of water. And if we could perceive the sin as a substance, then we would see that the whole the whole universe now, not the whole universe, especially the earth planet, is totally submerged in an ocean of sinful activities. So this is the unfortunate situation of the age of Kali. Even though we don't want to become sinful, even we don't want to commit sinful activities, we become affected by that. Can't help it. Unconsciously. Because the karmic reaction is very complex. Like, for example, if you take something from somebody who committed sin, you, through that, what you are taking, you accept his sinful what to speak of food. And you know what is the most powerful medium for sin or karmic reactions? The flow of karma? Salt. Salt is the most. Like it's like copperware. No, not even copperware. Goldware. <laughs> Through gold, electricity passes practically without any hindrance. Similarly, like through salt, sinful reactions are carried. Anyway, so this is the condition of the living entities in the age of Kali. But <clears throat> it has been mentioned in our scriptures that although Kali Yuga is an ocean of sinful activities, Kaler Doshi Nithe Rajan. Kali Yuga is like an ocean of sinful activities. But Astihi Eka Mahanguna. The age of Kali has one great advantage, Mahanguna. And what is that? Very good. Kirtana Deva Krishnasya Mukta Sangokaram Project. Just by chanting the holy name of the Lord, one becomes free from all sinful reactions and becomes free from material bondage and goes back to the spiritual world. Otherwise going back to spiritual world, becoming free from material bondage is very, very difficult. Very difficult. But in the age of Kali it has become so simple, so easy. Just by chanting the holy name, Kirtana Deva Krishna. So chanting the holy name of the Lord, very easily we can go back to that. That is the prerogative, that is the benefit, that is the advantage of the age of Kali. But this Kali Yuga 
is a very special Kali Yuga. This Kali Yuga is a very special Kali Yuga because this is a cycle of time, the 28th Chatur Yuga of Vaivashata Manantar. Because in this previous Dwapar Yuga, before Kali Yuga, there was Dwapar Yuga, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, came. When Krishna said in Bhagavad Gita, Sambhavami Juge Juge, that is Krishna's incarnations. But Krishna, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, who has been described in Srimad Bhagavatam after describing 22 different incarnations and mentioning that there are innumerable incarnations just as there are innumerable waves in the ocean. There are innumerable incarnations of the Lord. Countless incarnations of the Lord. But they are His parts or parts of the parts all parts of the parts of the parts and so forth. Ete Changsha, Kalapunsha, Krishna Stu, Bhagavan, Swayam. These are all Amsas and Kalas. But Krishna is the Swayam Bhagavan. Swayam Bhagavan means the original Supreme Personality of God. So that original Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is actually the son of Nanda Maharaj, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead is the son of Nanda Maharaj and who resides in Vrindavan. That Supreme Personality of Godhead comes only once in a day of Brahma. And Brahma's day comprises of thousand Chatur Yuga. Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga, Kali Yuga put together is called a Chatur Yuga or Divya Yuga. And thousands of Divya Yugas make a day of Brahma. And in a day of Brahma, Krishna comes only once. And when that also has been very precisely pointed out. In a day of Brahma, there are 14 Manus. Fourteen Manus come in a day of Brahma. And the seventh of those fourteenth Manu is Vaivashata Manu. That is Manu who is the son of Vivashan, the sun god. Do you remember in Bhagavad Gita? Imam Vivashate Yogam Pratavanahamabhayam Vivashwan Manavir Prahu. Vivashan, the sun god, spoke to Manu. So that is this Manu, his son. Vivashwan, Manuviprabhu, Manur Ikshaku, Vayabhravita. And Manu spoke to his son Ikshaku. And in that Ikshaku dynasty, Lord Ramchandra appeared. So each Manu has his duration of reign for 71 Chatur Yugas. 1000 divided by 14, 
Uh, you all are mathematical geniuses. <laughs> so, uh, 71. 71 Chatur Yugas comprise of a reign of one Manu. So, out of that 71, in Vaivashata Manantar, the seventh Manu's reign, on the 28th Manvantar, in the Dwapar Yuga, towards the end of Dwapar Yuga, Ashtavingsha Chatur Yuga Dwaparero Sheshi. Very precisely it has been described in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, comes. And what is the specialty of this Supreme Personality of Godhead? This Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, is not from is not from Vaikuntha. He is from Vrindavan. The, pro- the thing is, in Vaikuntha, Krishna is a, the Narayan is the supreme personality of Godhead. But in Vrindavan, Krishna is not the supreme personality of Godhead. In Vrindavan, Krishna is a coward boy. So, <clears throat> it is difficult, therefore it's difficult to recognize Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. Krishna of Vrindavan. He's a coward boy. And what's he doing? Playing with other cowherd boys. <laughs> he is a naughty child. Stealing butter. Acting in a mischievous way. And having an affair with other gopis. Like isn't it difficult to recognize this personality otherwise <laughs> as the Supreme Personality of Godhead? And because it is difficult to recognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna comes in the following Kali Yuga as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu simply to reveal his identity. That that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And for that, to make that arrangement, various other arrangements are also made. For example, the progress of time actually is Satya, Dwapar, Treta, Kali. Now this Krishna comes in Dwapar Yuga. That Krishna, the Yugavatar. He comes in Dwapar Yuga. Now, this Krishna's identity has to be revealed by Krishna himself, but that he could come only in the Kali Yuga as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, therefore what happened? This Treta and Dwapar switched. Uh, Dwapar came before, I'm sorry, uh, Treta came before and Dwapar came after. And when at the end of Dwapar Yuga, Krishna came. So when the memory is still quite uh, vivid, then he came as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and pointed out that that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, <clears throat> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's special mercy, special uh, display of his kindness is in the form that he is revealing the identity of Krishna 
enabling everyone to enter into Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. So appearing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna Chaitanya, Krishna is making that arrangement that living entities by receiving the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can enter into Goluk Vrindavan, Krishna's pastimes, which is otherwise practically impossible to enter into. So much so that even Brahma cannot enter there. Brahma doesn't have access to Krishna's Brajadila normally. Lord Shiva doesn't have access. Even Lakshmi Devi doesn't have access. Lakshmi Devi wanted to enter into Krishna's Brajalila. Told Narayan, I want to enter into your Vrindavan pastimes. Narayan said, okay, so in order to enter into Brajalila, you have to become subservient of one of the gopis of Vrindavan. Because that's the way to enter into Vrindavan. Lakshmi Devi said, how can I become subservient to anyone else? I am Lakshmi. I am your eternal consort. How can I become subservient to anybody? Narayan said, then forget about <laughs> So Lakshmi Devi was extremely offended. She was so hard. She started to perform severe austerity. And as a result of that, Krishna appeared. Lakshmi said, what happened? What did perform this? Performing such austerity. I wanted to enter into Vrindavan pastimes, but Narayan said that I have to become subservient to somebody and I can't. How can I become subservient to some other gopi? Then Krishna carried her on his chest as Sri Vatsa. Sri Lakshmi Devi residing on the chest of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is how she entered. So you can well imagine, even the residents of Vaikuntha do not have access to Vrindavan. Why? That is another thing. Like, huh? like. Anyway, in short, I can just also mention why not. Because if you recognize that Krishna of Vrindavan is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then you can't develop the special relationships that are available in Vrindavan. Like, there are five types of relationships, right? Neutrality, servitorship, and neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental, conjugal. Neutrality, servitorship, it's all right. The Supreme Krishna is the Supreme, Narayan is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and everyone else is his servant. He is the Supreme Master, Everyone else is a servant. So, master-servant relationship with the Lord is natural relationship. But <clears throat> friendship takes place among equals. Who can become equal to the Supreme Personality of God? Therefore, friendship is not possible. In parental, 
The devotee becomes superior and the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes subordinate. So who can become superior to the Supreme Personality of Godhead? And conjugal like a loving relationship between a young boy and a young girl. How that kind of relationship is possible with the Supreme Personality of Godhead? But the consideration is that whatever is existing here must be available there because this material nature is a reflection of the spiritual world. So if something is here in the reflection, it must be uh, in the original substance. So obviously this relationship with Krishna and okay, what is the difference between material and spiritual nature? The simple definition of material and spiritual, the difference between material and spiritual nature is that the world or the, the area where we put ourselves in the center, that is material. And where we put Krishna as the center, that is spiritual. So that's the only, that's the distance between material nature and spiritual nature. So uh, spiritual nature means it must have been there in that world. These three relationships must be available there. So now <clears throat> a living entity, a devotee may not be able to become equal to Krishna or superior to Krishna. But if Krishna wants, can he become equal to somebody? Huh? If Krishna wants, can he become subordinate to somebody? Yes. yes. Huh? And that is what happened in Vrindavan. But in order to develop that relationship or make that awareness that Krishna is subordinate or Krishna is equal, Krishna had to hide his identity or a living entity or a devotee had to forget that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that is the arrangement of Jogomaya by which the residents of Vrindavan have forgotten that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Here also comes another factor. Forgetfulness are of two kinds. One kind of forgetfulness is out of ignorance that we always experience. <laughs> Another kind of forgetfulness is due to intense love. Sun has become the state president. But does the mother treat him like the state president? It is not that the mother doesn't know that he is a state president, but to her it doesn't matter. To her, because of her love for her son, he is simply her son. That's his real identity. So forgetfulness out of intense love. So in Vrindavan, that forgetfulness that the devotees experience is forgetfulness out of love. It's not that they do not know that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but to them it doesn't matter. Their attitude is, you may be the Supreme Personality of Godhead, so what? <laughs> Even 
If you are Supreme Personality of Godhead, that's fine. If you are not a Supreme Personality of Godhead, that is also fine. What really matters is you are my friend. You are my child. You are my lover. So that is the special attitude and mood of the devotees of Vrindavan. That is why those who are aware of Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it becomes difficult for them to enter into Vrindavan. In order to do that, one has to forget that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Like in Vaikuntha, everybody knows that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna himself is saying, Oishadjo Shithil Preme Nahimor Priti. When awe and reverence makes the love, slackens the love, Shithil means to make it slack. When awe and reverence slackens the love, I am not pleased with that loving affair, that kind of loving relationship. So you can see how difficult it is to enter into Vaikuntha, enter into Vrindavan. Even from Vaikuntha one cannot enter into Vrindavan. Therefore, in order to create the good fortune for the living entities that they can enter into Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan, Krishna made this arrangement. Chaitanya Charitamrita is actually describing that point. Chaitanya Charitamrita is saying, how many of you know Bengali here? Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Chaitanya Charitamrita is saying, Jathishtu Bihori Krishna Kore Antardhan. After performing his pastimes abundantly, Krishna disappeared. That means Krishna went back to the spiritual sky. Antardhan Kori Mone Kore Anuman. After withdrawing his pastimes, Krishna considers Chirokal Nahi Kori Premubhakti Dan. Prem bina jagotir nahi avasthana. That I have revealed my pastimes, which is based on intense loving relationship. Now, how will anyone have access to that relationship? I have come and revealed my Vrindavan pastimes, but how will anyone? have access to this loving relationship. Therefore, Krishna decided to come as a devotee. Therefore, Krishna came assuming the mood of the greatest of all devotees, Srimati Radharani. Assuming her mood or assuming her inner spiritual emotions, and assuming her complexion, Krishna appears, and that is Sri Chaitanya And what is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu doing? He is distributing this. Namo Mahavadanaya Krishna Prema Pradayati. 
So this Krishna Prem is Braja Prem, loving relationship with Krishna and with Mahārāda. So, <clears throat> by following Sri Chaitanya Mahāprabhu, we are not only having access to the spiritual world, but we are having the access to the topmost region of the spiritual sky, Golukvindavan. The description of the spiritual sky is like material nature comprises of innumerable universes floating in causal ocean. Beyond the causal ocean is Brahma Jyoti, the spiritual light. And in that region of spiritual light, in the spiritual sky, there are innumerable Vaikuntha planets. The topmost region of the Vaikuntha planets are Ajodha, where Lord Ramchandra is performing his pastimes. Then beyond that is Dwarka, Mathura, the topmost region of the spiritual sky is Golok Vrindavan. Golok. And the Golok region again has two sides. One side is Vrindavan and other side is Navadeep. In Vrindavan, Krishna is having his, Krishna is enjoying his loving relationship with the, with his devotees. And in, in Golok Navati, Krishna, as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is distributing that love. In Vrindavan, Krishna is enjoying that love. In Navati, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is distributing that love. So, <clears throat> That is the uh, inconceivable good fortune that we all have received in this age. And in order to make this good fortune available, Krishna came as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then to distribute this throughout the earth planet. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and distributed it only throughout India. And he predicted that this Krishna consciousness movement would spread in every town and village. He made that prediction. That means it will happen in the future. That he himself didn't do. He preserved it for some very special personality. And you can see, if we look at the Gauriya, history of Gauriya Vaishnavism, then you can see, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's disappearance, gradually, within a couple of hundred years, his movement practically disappeared. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings <coughs> were eclipsed by the Sahajiyas, the deviant people, 
who were pretending or claiming that they are followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu but had nothing to do with him. They introduced all kinds of deviant uh, process and practices. It was practically eclipsed totally. Only in some remote corners of Vrindavan and Navadip, some uh, pure devotees were retaining this teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But then came Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Bhaktivinoda Thakur revived Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings when it was practically lost. The condition was so precarious that Bhaktivinoda Thakur was looking for a Chaitanya Charitamrita. He couldn't find a single. He couldn't find a single one in the entire Bengal. He was a very influential person. He was a deputy magistrate, but still, he, in, in spite of his extensive search, he couldn't find a single Chaitanya Eventually, he found a copy in Orissa, and he took that, <clears throat> and by giving his commentary. Amrita Prabhu Hashya, the nectarian flow of commentary, he printed Chaitanya Charitamrita. And this is how he started to revive Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. And then came Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He took the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and spread it, spread it all over India. And then came Srila Prabhupada and he brought it out of India to the West and we can see how wonderfully this movement is growing. It's only a matter of time that it will happen in every town and village. It will spread in every town and village. The words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead cannot go in vain. When he said something, it's bound to happen. So, it will happen. When it will happen, how it will happen, we cannot really conceive, we cannot really predict. But one thing we know, that we found it, we got it. And that is our greatest good fortune. Somehow or other, we have been, we have become the recipient of this good fortune. And as a result of that, our life has become successful. Now it's a matter of just staying in this path and continuing without deviation. So that is the good fortune uh, that we have that has been created by the divine arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And as a result of that, you can see in a remote corner of this world, in a place called San Jose, <laughs> we are having access to this Krishna consciousness. Many of you are from India. Or I just can say most of you are from India. <laughs> but just consider you have to come all the way to San Jose <laughs> to receive this mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
But doesn't matter how we got it, but what really matters that we found it, we got it. Thank you all very much. Please take full advantage of this wonderful gift that has been awarded to all of you by the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by the mercy of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and by the mercy of His loyal followers. Does anybody have any question or comment? Abha, you have a question? Yeah. <laughs> the mic. Salt considered sinful. Salt? No, salt is not sinful. It's a carrier of sin, a carrier of karma. Not only sin, but good karma, piety. If somebody is very pious, then take a lot of salt from them. <laughs> Thank you. You have a question? Yeah. So you said that uh, there's two parts of Goa, uh, Goa Vrindavan, and one side where you have Krishna like, enjoys the love or something, and uh, did something distribute something? Distribute, yeah. <laughs> right? So, uh, can, so can people travel from one part of that to other part? Okay, very good question. <laughs> very good question. Ah. Did everybody hear the yes, question? Yes. No? no? No. Okay. What's your name? Anami. Anami. Ah, he has a very intelligent question. <laughs> very penetrating question. He is saying Golok, Rinda, Golok region has two, two sides, two chambers. One is Vrindavan, where Krishna is enjoying his loving relationship with the devotees. And in, in Navadhi, where, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna has read, Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is distributing that love of Krishna. So his question actually is, can one travel from one <laughs> Yes. Yes. Like, especially from Navadip region, one can travel. But this travel, you see in the spiritual world, everything happens by the Lord's divine will and as a result of His divine mercy. Right? So one cannot on his own or whimsically travel like that. But by the mercy of the Lord, one can. Like say for example, if you are following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where are you? In which part of Golok you are? <coughs> you are in Navati part. If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in Navati. And then when you are following Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what is the way to follow Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Jagai Sankirtana Prayer. Do you know that verse? Okay, to follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, one has to perform Sankirtan Yogi. Right? So when you follow Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by performing Sankirtan, 
Then one fine morning or afternoon, <laughs> you will find yourself in Vrindavan <laughs> with Krishna. I said afternoon because there is a dis beautiful description of a devotee called Gop Kumar entering into Vrindavan. And he arrived in Vrindavan in the afternoon. <laughs> Hare Krishna, yes? I had one more question. Yeah. Do people in the other side of Golokandavan or Chaitanya Abhuvas, do they recognize him as the Supreme Lord? Well, they do, but they see him as a devotee. Their reaction towards him, and like say, I'll give you an example, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotees knew that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They knew, but they followed him as a devotee. They saw him as a devotee. Like say for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revealed his identity to many persons. Like when he was a little boy, he revealed his identity as, a, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead to a Brahmana who came to the, uh, their house, right? But Mahaprabhu told him, don't tell that to anybody, what you saw. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revealed his identity to Sagamun Bhattacharya, showing his six-arm form. Even in Navadip, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revealed his Mahaprakash Lila. Uh, he showed his devotees that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So yes, devotees knew that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But they were following him as he appeared as a devotee. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, let's go and glorify the Supreme Lord. And they all said, okay, let's go. <laughs> so they didn't say, Oh, why should you glorify the Supreme Personality of God? You are the Supreme Personality of God. And if someone spoke like that, you know what did Mahaprabhu do? He covered his ears and said, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, as if I heard something so offensive. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Any other question? Yes, please. Hare Krishna. Actually, a related question. So uh, you said that the Navdeep there in the Guru Pandavan, right? Uh, Lord performing So when he comes to earth and he performs his Sakitan, he is actually... When he is doing Sakitan on earth, he is uh, distributing love of Krishna and that's called his liberational intent. But what happens to the actual Golok uh, um, office. I mean, there cannot be any motivation because people are already liberated. So, who is he distributing love to? I mean, there is no need to distribute love to anyone. He is distributing his love to you and me. <laughs> huh? He is reminding us about Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes. And he is telling us that chant the holy name of the Lord. And the chanting of the holy name of the Lord is non different from loving Krishna. Because this calling out, taking his name means calling out to him. 
uttering the mantra is appealing to Krishna, him, Krishna. Oi, like for example, Oi Nanda Tanuja Kinkaram Patitamam Vishnami Bhavam Bhutavu Kripaya Tavapada Pankajasthita Tulisa Trisham Vichindaya My dear Lord, I have fallen into this dangerous ocean of material nature. Please deliver me. Krishna, I am suffering here so much. Please deliver me from this suffering condition and allow me to become engaged in your devotional service. Appealing to Srimati Radharani, please tell Krishna to deliver me from this miserable condition and allow me to be engaged in his devotional service. Thank you, Maharaj. Actually, the part that I wanted to ask over here is that when you are saying deliver me, that is the, the souls that he is talking to are undelivered. That is by definition they are in the material world. So when he is performing his pastimes in Golo, Vrindavan, then he is talking to already delivered souls. So then who is he trying to deliver them? It's not only deliverance, it's a matter of loving relationship. Like for example, Radharani is yearning due to the separation from Krishna. Krishna, where are you? Krishna, where are you? My heart is aching, my heart is breaking due to the separation. So she's not in the material nature, she's, you know, in the spiritual sky. But, you know, like it is there she is feeling that love, that loving, you know, relationship uh, is, can take place with a living entity in the material nature and also a living entity in the spiritual world. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Yes. <coughs> uh, Maharaj, uh, you were talking about uh, the Krishna coming in the 28th uh, Chatra Yuga and then Chaitra Mahaprabhu coming, who is none other than Krishna. So uh, it just it, like, intrigued me that if it were not 28th, Yuga, if it were any other Yuga, then how would be the differences in Krishna pastimes and uh, uh, when Narayana okay. is coming good, as Krishna? Good. Is there any insight uh, from right. the Shastras? That, you see, in simple words, mm -hmm. they will, by performing the process of Yuga Dharma, they will go back to Vaikuntha. They will not have access to Vrindavan. It's only in this particular Chatur Yuga, Kali Yuga, the living entities are having this prerogative. We are having access to Vrindavan. So this, this uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu time doesn't happen in every Yuga? No, it and happens only once in a day of Brahma. Once in a day of Brahma? In 1000 one, in one Chatur Yuga, it happens once. So it is that rare? It's that rare, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just consider what an inconceivable good fortune we have. And that also, you know, not only we appeared, we came at this, this Kali Yuga, but we came at a time when Srila Prabhupada performed his pastime, brought this Krishna consciousness movement to the West, and we had access to it. Yes? Hare Krishna Maharaj. I just wanted to request as you mentioned, uh, Prabhupada, uh, his performance is pastime and you have served him very closely. If you would like to share something with us, just to enlighten us. Uh, sorry. 
Okay, <laughs> where to begin? <laughs> okay, I'll try to begin almost at the beginning. <clears throat> it was mentioned that I came across Vedic literatures in Germany, but it was not exactly like that. You see, when I was in Germany, I was very close to some American students, exchange students from the University of Dayton. And we used to spend time together. And one day, one of our friends, <laughs> his name was Chuck Hirsch, Chuck just kind of in a derogatory way asked me, you know, how many people die of starvation in India? And so I told him, you know, I've never seen anyone die of starvation. <laughs> and kind of, you know, it laid into a kind of, a, you know, unpleasant argument. I was trying to defend the glory of my motherland and he was trying to portray. But in the process, you know, like I realized that how little I knew about India. To tell you frankly, when I was in India, I used to think West is the best. <laughs> and didn't really feel any need to go deep into Indian philosophy and culture. And then I wrote to a friend of mine in India, those who had, they, their family had a bookshop, book quite a prestigious bookshop. And I asked him to send some books about India's culture. And the first book he sent, it was quite disappointing to me. He sent a book written by an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> and that book was A Search in Secret India by one Paul Brunton. He was a journalist who went to India and became fascinated by India. Actually, it was an amazing, very nice book, you know, like it really you know, gave me a lot of insight to India's culture. Although not so deep, anyway, then I started to get more and more books from him and started to read. And by reading those books, I came to a point when I realized, why am I wasting my time here? Let me go back to India and pursue this process of spiritual emancipation. <laughs> that's the expression that we are familiar with those days. And, and that's how it actually started. I went back to India and uh, at that time I thought that as soon as I arrive in India, I'll find a guru and he will take me. <laughs> to, <laughs> but it was so disappointing. I didn't even go home. I landed in Delhi and went straight to Haridwar. My uh, father's house was in Calcutta. And from Haridwar to Rishikesh and went. And you know, it was disappointing because I couldn't find anybody to whom I could surrender. And then when I practically gave up my search, I felt that if I I have been searching for my guru, but I can't find him. 
If at all I have a guru now, let him come and pick him. <laughs> and by his mercy, then I got this book, The Nectar of Devotion. And I started to read it from the very first page. It occurred to me that this is what I was looking for. And I was so fascinated by this book that I start. I mean, I started to read the book in the evening when I returned home, and and I read till I fell asleep. And next morning, the first thing I did is pick up the book and start reading it. And that night, I had a dream. I dreamt of Shri Prabhupada. I saw Shri Prabhupada sitting that looked like a singhasan, like a throne. Because in India, the sadhus generally don't sit on elaborate seats. Like, they sit on a simple seat, at the most on a deer skin or a tiny skin. And, but Prabhupada was sitting on a throne and there was a brilliant light around him. And just the sight made me realize that finally I found my guru. And I just offered my obeisances. And then I found out that Srila Prabhupada actually, Prabhupada was in America at that time. And I thought, okay, until Srila Prabhupada's return to India, I would go to different places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes and Krishna's pastimes. And the first place I went to was Mayapur. And the attraction there was so amazing that the next morning I shaved up. <laughs> went to the Ganga, threw away my old clothes, put on a dhoti and kurta which I acquired from the temple and became a devotee. So, in those days I was one thinking that when will Prabhupada come back and when I'll meet him. Then finally Prabhupada came back to India and Prabhupada went to, we got the news that Prabhupada went to Ilhabad Kumamela and a group of devotees from Mayapur traveled by bus and I was also with them. As soon as I arrived in Elabad, Prayag, I put my things down in the tent that was allotted for us and I just went to see Sri Prabhupada. But there was a western devotee guarding the gate. (laughs) (laughs) He told me, not now, you come in the evening, Prabhupada will do darshan. Quite disappointed, I just left. And then at that time, Bhavananda Maharaj, who was the co-director of Mayapur at that time, with Jayapataka Maharaj, he was carrying a basket full of vegetables that he brought from Mayapur to give to Srila Prabhupada. So when he saw me, he said, come, I'm going to Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> So I just followed him and the guard who was guarding me, he made way with an offering obeisances. <laughs> and when I came close to Srila Prabhupada's tent, I saw from outside that Srila Prabhupada was sitting behind the desk. 
So seeing Prabhupada like that from outside the tent, I offered obeisances. But then when I tried to go in, Rameshwar Maharaj was sitting outside. He was Prabhupada's secretary at that time. He told me, don't go now, Prabhupada is taking prasad. I started to curse myself. Why did I offer obeisances from outside? I could have gone in with Bhavananda Maharaj and nobody would have stopped me and I could have offered obeisances there. And then I realized one thing that approaching Prabhupada, coming close to Srila Prabhupada is not going to be easy because I could, at that time I could understand Prabhupada has so many disciples and everyone wants to spend time with him. And who am I? So I was thinking that I just gave up any effort to get close to Srila Prabhupada. In the evenings Prabhupada used to give darshan and in the morning there used to be Guru Puja and Prabhupada used to be Bhagavatam class. I used to just attend them and it was going on like that. One morning we got to know that Srila Prabhupada is uh, leaving Kumamela all of a sudden. The reason, of course, was it was too noisy for Srila Prabhupada. So he decided, all of a sudden, he decided to leave. And so I just accepted, okay, fine, Prabhupada is leaving. Uh, and, but then, uh, like, I got that news that Prabhupada was leaving in the morning, and then there was class, and then there was Prashad. And after Prashad, Bhavananda Maharaj came to me and told me Prabhupada is leaving today. I said, yes, I heard. And then he said, a small group will accompany Srila Prabhupada and you have been included. <laughs> so I literally started to jump with joy. <laughs> and <clears throat> And that night, the train left. You see, Ilaba didn't have any airport. And so what arrangement was, the arrangement that was made was on a, in a Calcutta-bound train, one first-class carriage was hooked on for Srila Prabhupada and his entourage. And so after the train started, we all took rest. Next morning I was chanting and Bhavananda Maharaj came to me and said, come, I'll take you to Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> now all this while I was dying to meet Srila Prabhupada, but now, the, now when he came and said, come and I'll take you to Srila Prabhupada, I don't know what happened. I had an overwhelming feeling that I'm not qualified to go near Srila Prabhupada. I mean, I felt that Prabhupada will see how fallen, how sinful I am. I think Bhavananda Maharaj could understand what was going on in my mind. So he took me by my hand, dragged me through the passage and opened the door to Srila Prabhupada's compartment and pushed me. <laughs> and I fell flat, <laughs> offering obeisances. When <clears throat> I got up, I saw that Srila Prabhupada was looking at me. And then Prabhupada motioned, sit down. 
He wanted me to sit next to him. As you know, the first class compartment has two seats facing each other. In the other seat, there were Rameshwar Maharaj, Jayapataka Maharaj, and Bhavananda Maharaj. And in this one, Srila Prabhupada was sitting. So Prabhupada asked me to sit. I said, Prabhupada, sit on the floor. Prabhupada said, no, sit here. And there was a blanket spread over that seat, so I rolled the the edge of the blanket and sat the corner of the seat. And after some initial exchanges, Srila Prabhupada told me, you translate my books into Bengali. So, and that actually uh, was the beginning of my good fortune. <laughs> so that enabled me to go to Srila Prabhupada anytime you wanted, because I had the excuse. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have to show what I have translated to Srila Prabhupada. And Prabhupada actually wanted to see what I was doing, how I was translating, and he would correct me, he would guide me. <clears throat> Sometimes he also appreciated my translation. Then he gave me a stack of letters in Bengali. And he wanted me to answer those letters. Like I would read out those letters to him and Prabhupada would give the points what to write and then I had to write the letters. I had to make a draft first, then read it out to Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada would correct them. Or, and then on Prabhupada's letterhead I would handwrite those letters, take them to Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada would sign them. And then when I finished the Bengali stack of letters, Prabhupada gave me a stack of Hindi letters. <laughs> and, uh, and then one day, one afternoon, Prabhupada told me that he was appointing me as a secretary for Indian affairs. And at that time, Tamal Krishna Maharaj was the secretary for Srila Prabhupada. So he called Tamal Krishna Maharaj and he told him, and he suggested that I move to his secretary's room with him. That gave me another good fortune of being with another wonderful, wonderful devotee. And uh, so this is how <laughs> my, you know, at a time, at that time, Prabhupada had thousands of initiated disciples. I have seen like devotees would fly from America, from Europe, from Australia and they would barely get any darshan of Srila Prabhupada. So at a time like that, although I just, I arrived quite late joining ISKCON, I had the good fortune of being with Srila Prabhupada practically 24 hours a day. And my service kept on increasing. I was, you know, doing my Prabhupada's replying letters, translating. Then I got the service of cooking for him. <clears throat> you want to hear how it happened? <laughs> Those days, one of our God sisters used to cook for Srila Prabhupada. She used to cook, it was in Bombay. She used to cook and I used to take the plate and serve Srila Prabhupada. So one day, uh, 
she became, this God's sister became sick and she couldn't cook for Srila Prabhupada. So another God's sister of ours were, was invited, asked to cook for Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada told her what to cook, how to cook. <clears throat> but when I served, Prabhupada took a bite and I could see that Prabhupada was not able to eat it. So I asked Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada, the cooking was not all right today. Prabhupada said, no, no, she doesn't know how to cook. <laughs> so then I just blurted out, Prabhupada, should I cook for you too? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Prabhupada said, yes. And so the next day, Prabhupada told me what to cook and how to cook. It seemed that he liked it. He liked it so much that, you see, I, I would serve Srila Prabhupada and after Prabhupada would finish taking prasad, I would take the plate, bring a lota of water with a plate and Prabhupada would wash his mouth and wipe his face, wipe his mouth. <clears throat> and Prabhupada would sit on that seat for some time. Then Upendra Prabhu would come. Upendra Prabhu was Prabhupada's secretary and Prabhupada's personal servant at that time. So Upendra Prabhu used to take Prabhupada to his bed and he used to lie for a while. And I was in the kitchen cleaning Prabhupada's pots and washing. So Upendra came and said, Hey, what did you cook? Prabhupada asked me to taste it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that evening, that afternoon, at the three o'clock, Tamar Krishna Maharaj used to go to Prabhupada and Prabhupada used to give a dictation of the letters. Like he used to read out the letters and Prabhupada used to give the points to reply. So after that Tamar Krishna Maharaj came to me and he said, You know, Prabhupada really liked your cooking. And so it seemed that Prabhupada really liked my cooking. Then you know what happened? <laughs> Next day I blew it. <laughs> I cooked, I served, Srila Prabhupada took a bite and said, you don't have any standard. <laughs> One day you cook nicely and I praise and next day you're gone. <laughs> so the next day I cooked and I was really in anxiety because, you know, if I blew that day, <laughs> And <clears throat> so I cooked and, you know, like, with literally with a pounding heart, I <laughs> took the plate to Srila Prabhupada and when I saw that Prabhupada was eating, I got some confidence. <laughs> and I asked Srila Prabhupada, is it alright today? Prabhupada said, yes, today it's alright. Then I said, Prabhupada, I was in such anxiety and I was so afraid. Prabhupada said, when you are serving your spiritual master, you should be in anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be, you should be afraid. <laughs> So that is how I got that service. Then eventually, you know, Prabhupada stopped eating. And 
like anyway, like then we got the service to then I got the <coughs> service to take care of Shilpropa's medicine. Especially when Prabhupada, you see, in uh, after Bombay we went to Rishikesh, and in Rishikesh, one night, you see, at night, one of us always used to be with Srila Prabhupada, and my shift was from twelve to two, and so one night Srila Prabhupada called me, and so when I went. Prabhupada said, the time has come for me to leave this planet. I don't exactly remember whether he said planet or the body. Uh, the time has come for me to leave my body. And I want to leave my body in Vrindavan. Please take me to Vrindavan immediately. When I heard that I had started to uncontrollably uh, tremble, shake, I just ran downstairs, woke up Tamal Krishna Maharaj and told him. Then <clears throat> Tamal Krishna Maharaj also came running upstairs. Prabhupada told him the same thing. And then that night only we packed up and the next morning we left for Vrindavan. When we arrived in Vrindavan, Prabhupada actually was, we could see Prabhupada was preparing to leave his body. He called me and he told me, from now on, you don't cook for me and don't force me to eat anything. What's the point in eating when there is no appetite? And then, you know, the news actually spread all over and the leading devotees from all different parts of the world came. They had a meeting, they requested Prabhupada not to leave and so Prabhupada accepted that request. They requested Prabhupada, you are a pure devotee of Krishna. If you want, Krishna will fulfill you that. Please stay. If you leave now, we will become orphans. And so then Prabhupada started to eat again. When Prabhupada actually said, okay, if you all want that, then I'll stay. And so Prabhupada started to eat again. <clears throat> so one day Prabhupada told me that there is a place called Gopinath Bazaar. He asked me, do you know where is Gopinath Bazaar? I said, Prabhupada, this is my first time in Vrindavan. And I didn't even step out of the temple. So I don't know anything, but I can find out. Tell me what you want. So Prabhupada told me, go to Gopinath Bazaar. There is an Ayurvedic doctor, his name is Bonamali Kaviraj. So you tell him about my condition and tell him that I want him to treat me. He treated me before also, so he will know. So when I went to this Bonamali Kaviraj, I found that he was a very, very old man. And <clears throat> he, when I told about Prabhupada, he said that Prabhupada had to come to him. I said, Prabhupada is not in a condition to come, so you have to come. And he said, look, in this condition I can't go anywhere. He was about over 90 years old at the time. And so he, then I begged him and begged him. Finally he came to see Srila Prabhupada. 
And after he saw Srila Prabhupada, he told me that, you see, the medicine that I would give has to be prepared freshly and offered to him. And so I said, well, you stay here, we'll make arrangements for you in our guest house. He said, no, I can't stay. I have to go home. Then I told him, then why don't you show me how to make the medicines? So he accepted that. He took, it, took me to the field, nearby the field, and he showed me two plants. One is called Punarnava, and the other is called Pathar Kuchi. And he showed me the plant and collect the leaves, and then he showed me how to make the extract from that. And then he gave me two salts, one white and one pink. And so, you know, like, I started to prepare medicine for Srila Prabhupada. And he was coming every day. I used to go and pick him up by Prabhupada's car. And, and Prabhupada's condition started to improve. And when Prabhupada's condition improved, Prabhupada wanted to go abroad. <laughs> so, and his point was, a soldier doesn't die in bed. And so, you know, like, Prabhupada's plan actually was to go to London, then New York, Gita Nagari, Los Angeles, and Hawaii. But when Prabhupada went to London, his condition deteriorated, and he went back to India. So, anyway, so those were Srila Prabhupada's final days and very, very difficult time for us. Hare Krishna. Yes, uh, Navina. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. We're very fortunate to have you here. I'm so happy to see you in Ujjain in Mayapur and glad that you spend more time in Mayapur now. Thank you for sharing your heart. It seems that the fortune that comes upon the living entity is inconceivable when it meets a true devotee of the Lord. What is the what is the reason? Is it out of the random kindness of the devotees that this process becomes accessible to the jiva? Because seemingly there is no qualification on the part of the living entity that would uh, beckon such a good fortune. So is it just the mercy of the devotee which seems to be kind of <laughs> at random? Or is it the Lord's desire because he sees there is some opening in that person's life? Well, uh, <clears throat> the simple answer, to, I'll give two answers to that. The simple answer is, yes, Lord's mercy is being abundantly showered, especially now the way you can see. Like Srila Prabhupada came and prior to that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and made this golden opportunity available to everyone. 
especially after Srila Prabhupada came in you know, the way it has been distributed. So, in one hand, the Lord's mercy is being abundantly manifest. But at the same time, it is the living entity who has to accept it. Like an example has been given in that respect. There is torrents of rain and a person is dying of thirst. The rain, he won't be able to take advantage of the rain to quench his thirst until and unless he cups his hands, cups his palms and drinks it. So on our part, you know, we simply have to you know, cup our hand and take advantage of that mercy. That will be the general answer. And the other answer is, in this context, two expressions have been used. One is unconditional and inconceivable. The Lord's mercy, you know, I mean, when it comes to it, you know, it's unconditional. No one knows why he did that, why he is doing that. And what he is doing, the mercy that he is bestowing, is inconceivable. But on our part, we must take full advantage. I mean, take full advantage of this golden opportunity. Thank you so much. So, last question from Abhay. He started the first question. <laughs> and then we can have a little kirtan. I think the program goes on till about 5 o'clock. Uh, so, we can just have a little kirtan after that uh, in the class. Um, what happens after uh, a Brahm one Brahma's day? Another day comes. <laughs> It goes on weeks, months, years, and Brahma lives for hundred years. And then Brahma leaves his body. And you know what happens when Brahma leaves his body? The whole universe disintegrates. Thank you very much. Okay. So, we can have a little kirtan. Can I have the harmonium? Yes. <coughs> <coughs>